If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com When you're holding gold, that's what you're aware of. You're aware of how much effort, work, money, human sweat, and life went into creating that small bit of gold that you're holding in your hand. And you, you feel that. And I understand the question with Bitcoin, you can't feel it. But when you see a Bitcoin on your wallet, when you see it go through the blockchain, you're, even though it's just digital, it is the same thing. It went through this extensive, expensive, exhaustive process to get it to where it is. Welcome to the Bitcoin Basics Podcast with your hosts Ferris, that's me, and Gordon from CoinCompass.com, enabling you to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. All resources are in the show notes and description, including our full disclaimer. Visit BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com to subscribe and discover other free content. Okay, ready? Wait on you, bro. All right. Hello and welcome to another Bitcoin Basics podcast with your host, me, Gordon, and I'm still at the beach. Faris, what's happening in your neck of the woods? Hey, Gordon, I am still in um, New Zealand, my um, semi-remote location. I'm enjoying a lot of room and a lot of space to move around in, so I'm feeling very fortunate, but also very guilty for a lot of people stuck indoors. You sound like a prepper, like you, you got a bunker and like a ammo, six, six months of food, you're, you're all ready to go. You get your Bitcoin mining? Nope, not doing any of that stuff. So no, I, I found it quite funny. So I do live in an area where we get quite a few of those people move into. They kind of made their money. They moved to New Zealand and, and set up the bunker for the end of days. And the end of days are here and I can still go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really not... Okay, you want to give us the uh, block time? So the block time is we are hitting block 624,485. The price of Bitcoin, according to Bitstamp, is 6,773. Gordon, how does that translate into the analog clock time? It is April the 5th, 2020. And uh, looking at the price, I think it's time for another Bitcoin and markets update. I'll look forward to that. So let's go into today's question. Hi, I understand Bitcoin is like a virtual currency. So it's nothing in the physical form. In that case, how is it stored and who regulates it? Where, where do you see, is there a bank that that shows what you have or how, what records it's kept for it? So another great question, and we've been getting heaps of really good questions, the thought-provoking questions. Just a reminder, coincompass.com slash ask. You still have, what, it's day 13, so you still have another 17 days left to ask you questions or follow-up questions. And this is an awesome question, and um, I'd like to break it up into a couple of parts. One of the first, I guess, questions was, where are Bitcoins stored? So I'll start off with the usual technical question, and perhaps, Faris, you can take over from there. So Bitcoin, I guess, like email or internet banking, is virtual. And it's something that's intangible, it's something that you can't touch, 
So for example, when you're on internet, your internet bank's website and you want to send money, 100 bucks from you to um, your friend across the world, you're not really sending uh, $100 in cash, physical notes. Um, there aren't uh, pellets of US dollars being flown around in planes and ships around the world. I mean, all of that is virtual at the end of the day. So similar to email and the internet it is virtual. So Bitcoin is virtual. You can't touch it. You can't smell it. And um, just like banking, you're sort of changing numbers in a database, in a bank's ledger. And Bitcoin is no different. Bitcoin has a ledger that we discussed beforehand. It just happens to be a giant ledger that is shared amongst many people. But nevertheless, it is still a ledger. So in reality, it really is like our traditional Monday banking, which is all virtual, which is all digital. Um, so the question is, where is Bitcoin stored? It's kind of like an abstract concept. You know, where is the internet stored? Where is the internet? I want to visit the internet. I want to touch the internet. Where is it? It's, it's sort of this, this concept that we've got. And so there is no central uh, location. There is no authority. It's not stored on Dropbox or Google Cloud or anything like that. It is this peer-to-peer -peer software. And if I was to answer it technically, it's stored everywhere. So for example, my laptop's running a version of this digital ledger. So if you've got any Bitcoin, your Bitcoin is stored on my laptop and it's stored on 10,000, 100,000 other computers all around the world in a decentralized fashion. So Faris, I'm sure you've got a more economical finance um, perspective on that. Yeah, so when I listen to this question, um, I actually focus more on the second part of what, um, what the question was about. And I, I want to tackle what might be a presumption a lot of people have out there, and that is money that you see in your account or money that banks actually have, there might be a presumption that's actually cash that has been physically printed. And that's not the case. So... What Gordon mentioned is that um, you, know, you're, you are moving physical money around. Sorry, you're moving digital money around. And you might think that, okay, there's actually physical money backing that. But there isn't. And I just looked up these numbers today. And so physical money, so this is actual coins and cash in the world, accounts for $39 trillion. But money in bank accounts that you can access is $91 trillion. So you've already got... $52 trillion that basically doesn't exist in physical form. Now, that's just what we call cash. If you include the stock market, what stock market's worth, that's $73 trillion. And that's just the money value of stock. There's no cash behind that. If you want to look at funds and derivatives, now a derivative is basically a speculation. It's a bet on the outcome of something. So it's, for example, if you go to the um, horse races and you're betting on the outcome of a horse, but you don't own the horse. So it's the same thing with derivatives. Now that money, that is between, and this is estimated because there's so much of it out there, 544 trillion to 1.2 quadrillion. Now a quadrillion is a one with 15 zeros. So wow. yeah. Bitcoin is actually very different because with Bitcoin, we know there will only ever be 21 million created. That we know. That is basically how it's designed. 
Now, the reason we have so much speculative cash out there is because governments can just print it. And it is literally, yeah, creating money out of thin air. Bitcoin is very different. You are not creating money out of thin air. Um, for Bitcoin to be created, it actually has to undergo a very complex process. And it's a process that involves a whole network of people. So Bitcoin is actually very different in that to, we know how many will be created. To create that, it needs to go through a very particular system called proof of work. And I actually want Gordon to explain this. It is a technical term, but I think it's really important for people to appreciate what Bitcoin is by understanding what proof of work is. Because cash, the, all that money I just basically told you about, there's no proof of work. So Gordon, I see you shaking your head. I really appreciated Bitcoin when I learned about the fact that it's capped in supply, only 21 million will be created, that it's deflation proof, meaning um, you have the halving every 200,000 blocks, but I really would like us to tackle proof of work. So just in a nutshell, proof of work, please. In a nutshell, sure, I'll cover, uh, let's say 30 years of cryptography in, in about two minutes, no problem. Um, proof of work is, it, it basically means, as you said, Faris, um, proving something. So in the analog world or in the normal world, that's easy. And we've, we've talked about building the pyramids or building a skyscraper or doing some sort of, uh, building a castle, for example, you can see that someone's actually done that. It's not magic, but how do you do that in the digital world? And one of the things that Bitcoin actually solved is this thing called um, digital scarcity. And I won't go down the rabbit hole of digital scarcity, but basically let's take an MP3 file. Um, you can print that infinitum. So for example, if I've got an MP3 file, I could email it to Faris, but that means that I still have that MP3 file. Um, there's, there's kind of in the digital world, it's the complete opposite of the analog world. So I give you an Apple I, I no longer have that apple. You have an apple. There's still one apple. But in the digital world, you can copy things pretty much to infinity. The problem with that is that you could do the same with Bitcoin. So let's say if Bitcoin was a file, like an MP3 file, or maybe, you know, your, your one Bitcoin is a file that's called 1.btc, for example. Well, what would stop me copying that one file, you know, 100 times, paying for goods and services with those, when I can just inflate my own money supply and basically spend, you know, an infinite amount of Bitcoin. So proof of work solves that. And the way that proof of work happens is that you need to spend energy, electricity, money, something in the real world to produce this uh, power, what we call this mining power. So like the um, pyramids being built, we're building the Bitcoin ledger, or what is called the blockchain, the Bitcoin network, that is built with electricity. And a lot of people say it wastes electricity, but we won't go into that. The Bitcoin network is extremely secure because you have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin miners spending electricity, spending power, spending money to secure the network. And it costs around about $5,000 to mine for Bitcoin at the moment, to mine for one Bitcoin. So these miners at the moment are getting a very, very small, tiny profit return on their investment. 
Now, Bitcoin goes to 100,000, then they're making a lot of money. So proof of work is a way to uh, prove that your Bitcoin miner solving that Rubik's Cube has actually taken the time, taken the energy, taken the electricity, in other words, taken the money to solve that Rubik's Cube. Now, if that was really, really easy to do, or you could somehow fool it saying, look, here's a Rubik's Cube that I've already solved, then that becomes completely pointless and proof of work um, doesn't work. So um, (laughs) that is it in a nutshell. I'm not sure if uh, you like that explanation. Do you want to learn how to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins? Coincompass.com is running a free two-hour webinar on Sunday, 31st of May. To register and for more details, visit coincompass.com forward slash webinar. Proof of work is essentially solving the ability to print something digital, which we can do infinitum, an MP3 file, PDF or whatever, to actually say, no, I've actually spent time, money, energy to producing, solving this Rubik's Cube puzzle, which in effect... Um, creates Bitcoin and uh, processes and secures the Bitcoin network. Yeah, I really like that, Gordon. And um, I just want to give one final example here in that when someone's holding gold and not many of you have, but you actually do feel something when you're holding gold. And what you're feeling is, you know, it took someone to basically go out into the wilderness, someone to start panning for it, to put a lot of money, time, effort into digging it up, melting it down into the form that you're holding. So you are aware there was a lot of proof of work that went into that gold you're holding. That's what you're aware of. You're aware of how much effort, work, money, human sweat and life went into creating that small bit of gold that you're holding in your hand. And you you feel that. And I understand the question with Bitcoin, you can't feel it. But when you see a Bitcoin on your wallet, when you see it go through the blockchain, Even though it's just digital, it is the same thing. It went through this extensive, expensive, exhaustive process to get it to where it is. Yeah, we always use gold as an analogy, but I I think you're right, Faris. Gold is probably the best analogy. And uh, a lot of people say, well, Bitcoin is not digital gold. It's a completely new asset, but uh, that's probably the easiest way to explain it. It, Bitcoin has all the properties of gold. and uh, if you have a listen to our other Bitcoin versus gold episode, you may enjoy uh, why we think Bitcoin is actually better than gold. Yeah. So one of the other questions that she asked Faris was, how do you check or verify your Bitcoin? So with that, I'm presuming the question is, how do you check that the, your Bitcoins are real bitcoins and not fake bitcoins and i think we've covered that if that's my understanding of the question gordon i thought it was just you know how do you verify how do you check uh that you've got you know what what bitcoins do you have you know with a bank account you log into your bank account and you've got a balance but how do you how do you check that with bitcoin oh that's simple and uh, yeah we'd send you to our podcast on bitcoin wallets and basically, that just shows how much Bitcoins you've had. It's the same as a uh, bank account statement. It's right there, easy for you to see. And it's been verified by, you know, all everyone else connected to the network. Yeah, 
that's uh, that's correct. You are still relying on the software developer of that particular wallet, to be honest. So if you did want to do it yourself, you can go onto this digital ledger that we call a blockchain. And just like your web browser it enables you to browse websites, facebook.com, twitter.com, we have something similar in the Bitcoin world. Well, how do you browse? How do you like view this global ledger? So like a web browser, Firefox, you actually use what is called a block explorer. And uh, probably the best one to go to is blockstream.info. So what you can actually do is, for example, if you know one of your Bitcoin addresses from your wallets, which we'll show you, you can actually see that on the blockchain. So you just copy and paste that address, put it into what is called a block explorer, the equivalent of a web browser, and you can actually see your transaction. You can see um, how many people have sent into it or if you've actually spent it, how many has gone out of it. And so all of that is totally public. Anyone can do it. And um, I guess that's the difference between a uh, bank's ledger and Bitcoin's ledger is uh, it's open, it is not private, and it's um, totally transparent. So uh, obviously the easiest way to do it is through a wallet. The wallet handles all that stuff uh, automatically for you. So you don't really need to um, worry about any of it. And I guess the last thing I'll say, Ferris, without going on too much, that there is no notion of a bank account with Bitcoin. So if you want a bank account, you have to go to the bank, you have to sign up, maybe your passport and uh, driver's license, you have to register for a bank account. Bitcoin doesn't have such thing. It's actually permissionless. You don't need anyone's approval to um, send or receive Bitcoin. So basically you download a Bitcoin wallet, and get started. You don't have to ask anyone. You just do it. So um, that's that's probably another difference. Well, thank you for that question. We both, Gordon and I, obviously really enjoyed this one. And um, it has been challenging for us to keep under 10 minutes, which I don't think we did on this one. So sorry to our audience. But yeah, please bring in your questions. If we did not answer your question, you want us to hit it again. Again, please just go to coincompass.com forward slash ask. And Gordon, can you just remind everyone we've got a free webinar coming up. Yeah, so we, we have an online webinar. A The first one is going to be free. Head across to coincompass.com slash webinar. You'll find the topics that we're going to cover, the dates and times and all kinds of other information. So we would love to see you there. And I think that's enough for this podcast. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks for watching or listening please visit coincompass.com slash free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.